Um, so, welcome to the show, Dav. Welcome. Welcome you to the show. It's my show. Insert jingle. Welcome. Insert jingle. Be the one. Be the one. Welcome. Be the one. I hear you pouring a drink. Well, yeah. Have you, have you not got a beer on you? I do. That was. This, this is a good microphone. Wait, it was, it, it was very. Weird. It was very. Um, it was very faint. But um, my ears are very well t- <laughs> tuned to that kind of thing. I can hear a, a a bottle of beer pouring from miles away. <laughs> I'm actually not listening through the headphones. I can hear it just uh, just from, in, from Prague. That must be deafening. So, what are you drinking? Well, I haven't opened. I, I haven't opened my bottle yet. Since you went ahead and opened yours and even poured it without <laughs> without even telling us about Consulting the, you. You may as well go ahead and um tell us what's going on in, in that glass of yours. Well, you know uh you're the you're the beer taste describing guy. Oh stop. <laughs> but I can tell you about the beer. Um in general. Because I live in Prague, obviously. Tell tell me about the beer in general. <laughs> I can tell you about the the beer. In general, uh, so this is this is called Bernard or Bernard, and sounds I don't better in Czech. You had it when you were here. You know that uh, bar we went to. We were all stood outside. Uh, it was one of the Karma nights. Yeah. Mm, well, actually, that that could describe any of the nights. I think. No, we weren't. St- we weren't stood outside, like standing outside of a lot of the bars. I don't think. I can remember at least two bars we stood outside. One of them was the formerly known as the Piano Bar. Yeah, not that one. Okay, I'm with you now. Um, well, anyway, it's my favourite Czech beer, this. It's so tasty. I don't even know, because I don't know that much about describing beer, I don't know if it's really hoppy or really malty, but one of those. But the good thing about this beer as well is, like, it's one of the only big Czech beers that's, like, still family-owned and has been for, oh, I love that. like, generations. Uh huh. So, like... Yeah. Pilsner Urquil owns a lot of the other beers. Starpraman, uh I can't remember if they're owned by someone, but I know um, like uh, Krušovice is owned by Heineken. So yeah, this is just Bernard, and they just do this and like a few varieties of it, but it's delicious. Still brewed by Bernard after all these years. Oh, Bernie. So yeah, now you. Oh well, so I've got a, I've got a Meisel and Friends, Choco Porter, black, bold, and beautiful. Is that your take, or is that like the subtitle? <laughs> uh, this is that little yeah subtitle on the on the label. It's six point five percent. These are based in Germany, but um, Georgina bought this one for me for Valentine's Day. Um, and bearing in mind Valentine's Day is on the fourteenth of February, the best before date is the twenty seventh of January. So. They uh, obviously weren't paying attention in the when they were restocking this. It's obviously one of their more popular beers. But um, well, the thing is, in Spain, I, I I don't think that there's much of a demand for this kind of thing. You know, Spanish people they tend to they drink a lot of beer, but they're they're some of the biggest beer drinkers in Europe as well, alongside Czech Republic. But Spain, uh, yeah, apparently so. Yeah, I find that quite surprising. So do I actually. It's not really their drink, is it? It's they're rubbish at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't say that too loud. 
Um, but they they drink it differently to the way the rest of us drink it. It's just to uh, to cool down. And if it gets warm, they leave half of it and then order another one. So it's not really surprising that porters and stouts aren't the most popular. Well, I'm, I'm just assuming this, but uh, no one's ever told me, no Spanish person has ever told me that they like dark beers. You know, here, dark beers are considered um, for women, to be for women. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, controversial. Uh. Are they black, bold, and beautiful women? Um, well, no, usually not in the Czech Republic. <laughs> well, they're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> why Why is that? Why is that that they're considered for women? It's that That's quite counterintuitive, I would say, because... Yeah, I'd say it's opposite in the UK. <laughs> I feel the same. It's like any kind of uh, bitter or stout... It's like something your your dad would drink. So, like, if yeah. you were meeting like your girlfriend's dad, you would you wouldn't order like a Peroni or something. You'd order a Guinness. I mean, I would order a Guinness anyway because I love it. But yeah, I I I agree with you on that. But here, I don't know. It's, I guess it's considered like more tasty. Mm. Mm. And and women are into into tastier things. Well, I guess like like cocktails and sweet stuff is considered more feminine, isn't it? Um, I suppose so. Yeah, that's one of the liberating things about being in Spain is that um, my impression was that gin and tonics and mi- mixers generally were seen as more feminine, but um, it's very common here for men to drink gin and tonics at a bar or on a dance floor. Gin and tonic is made quite a dramatic turnaround, I'd say, because I swear when I was a kid, it was like a granny drink. Yeah. Like, it was what, like, Doc Cotton would order on EastEnders. But now it's, like, it's really made, like, it's just, it's a really trendy drink now. Like, you have gin bars and all the kids are drinking G&Ts. I do love a G&T, though, to be honest. Oh, I do love a G&T. Oh, I do love a G&T. What, uh, what botanicals do you go for? I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> you know those dry pieces of uh, cranberries and and stuff that people chuck in there. You can buy the kits in Mercadona. Uh, well, I don't have a Mercadona. Kind of uh, one of my big travel plans for after this whole weird coronavirus situation is over is to do a little beer tour of the US. Ooh, because they are supposed to have like. From what I hear, well, it's that author you told me about. I guess I got it from his book. What's his name again? Pete Brown. Pete Brown, yeah. That they have obviously they we know them as having basically the worst popular beers, but actually their craft beer scene is like basically un, unbeatable because the hops that grow there are just naturally tastier. Yeah, they're definitely they tend to be more tropical and fruity, like mangoes and pineapples and things like that. So that's why they do more IPA. They're really to thank for reinvigorating the whole beer scene in the UK as well. Yeah, he said that. It, they sort of rediscovered IPA, right, and made it a thing again. Yeah. Even though that was a British Empire thing. Um, at that book, I did. I never finished it in the end. Yeah, like, oh. you, I guess I should explain it in, just in case anyone ever listens to this part of me or you. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I'm not going to listen to this. Don't worry. <laughs> but he tries to, if I remember rightly, he tries to like um, uh, recreate the journey like the original IPAs would have taken from the UK to India, which is why all the hops were added in the first place to keep the beer fresh over the journey, right? Mm. And so he sort of cooks up his own his own beer and spends a load of time at the beginning of the book getting all that done. So he has like a keg of this beer that he made that the whole point of the book is taking that to India. And the fucking the fucking keg leaks before he even gets on the boat. So like the rest of the book is just him on a like 19th century style ship to India for no reason with no beer on board. How did I forget that bit? And it just, it, it was completely ruined for me after that. So now I'm just listening to like the travel diary of some bloke. <laughs> and like the whole point of it was the beer. I, I, and I was really enjoying the book actually. And I kind of wish he'd just started again. <laughs> and obviously for him, it's different because he struggled to find a 19th century style boat to take him to India via like the old route and, and everything. But like it would have taken another year or two. But I really, uh, I was really disappointed. Well, great review. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's hope he never hears it. He almost certainly won't. You... <laughs> yeah, we're, we're safe on here. We can say whatever, literally whatever we want. I think we'd have to literally like just harass him with the link constantly. Just like send it to his private email, tweet it to him. <laughs> we don't want you to hear this. <laughs> Um, but was there any, are you telling me there was no beer at all left in the barrel? No, I don't think so. I'm, I mean, I hope I'm right because otherwise I'm just trashing this guy's book for completely invalid reasons. <laughs> at least read the book before you start trashing it, would you? <laughs> I didn't recommend that book, did I? Uh, I think you recommended Three Sheets to the Wind, his other book. Yeah, Three Sheets to the Wind is where he travels the world, I think, isn't isn't it? He kind of goes to, visits different places and tries their most popular beers or something like that yeah i've actually got that but never read it i've got that like the hard copy i listened to um hops and glory that's the other one isn't it yeah. um but yeah i think i don't know why i don't know why i did it in that order because oh, he wrote that first he wrote hops and glory first right no hops and glory is the most recent one. Oh, is it the first one was man walks know. into a pub which which is my favorite i haven't got or read that one I would recommend that one, the, the one that you haven't got. <laughs> <laughs> the only one I haven't bothered with. Yeah, it kind of goes into more detail about the, the sort of origin of the the pub and kind of how beer started. And... That'll be a nice historical document with uh, pubs dying out in the UK. Are you, are you going to read uh, Dave Rubin's book? It's out today. Um, to be honest, I wasn't planning on, on it because I... I just feel like he has nothing to say that I haven't heard him say before a hundred times over. And I somehow don't think he's, I think he he's probably the kind of person who isn't a natural writer. He's just taking advantage of his fame to write a book. I'm yeah. sounding very bitchy on this, <laughs> on, this, <laughs> on this podcast, but yeah. No, I had similar um, reservations just because I, I, I like him and I feel like, it was quite good to discover him because he went through sort of a similar journey to me at roughly the same time as well. With your sexuality, you mean? Uh, yeah, obviously. No, with my like leaving the the left, if I even have, I don't know. Ooh. I don't know what I am. What? Ouch! You've just opened a can of worms. Well, I don't think so. I'm not. I'm not you right are going wing. To get just... Death threats the, the moment <laughs> this is uploaded anywhere. 
Uh, no, well, no, someone would have to listen to it for that to happen. So I think it's safe. <laughs> um, yeah, this is we we we're just going to end up talking about our deepest, darkest secrets every time we just, uh, we record something. Just looking over our shoulders for the rest of our lives, just in case anyone ever listens to it. <laughs> <laughs> totally not worth the angst. Um, yeah. So, and I, yeah, he seems like a cool person. I, I've ended up, I, I downloaded it on Audible today just because I guess curiosity got the better of me. I'll probably listen to it, but I see what you mean. Like he doesn't really have any special expertise in anything. And, um, everything I'm thinking of saying now is quite bitchy as well, <laughs> even though I like the guy. I was going to say, I don't even find him very funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess he started off as a stand up, but like, I, I think when he tries to do stand-up, that's the most awkward it's, thing. It is awkward, yeah. I mean, there's there's probably a reason why he doesn't still do stand-up. Well, actually, he does, He does, doesn't he? Yeah, and he sort of opens his serious talks with a bit of sort of... Oh, God. It's like... Hey, guys, so... <laughs> but I, I remember seeing a clip of him doing stand-up, and I didn't laugh. There was one bit when I did laugh, I think, because <laughs> he, 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 said, he said something in the audience. He got a laugh from the audience, and, and then he said... I, I really am good at this. I Now I remember how good I am at this. <laughs> it's like, that's not how it works. Comedians don't say that. Uh, yeah, he's a good talk show host. He should make that his, his raison d'être. <laughs> no, he's done a good job. I guess it is now. Just because, I mean, he's good at asking questions. Like, he's open-minded. He's good at listening. And he 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 does seem very uh, balanced. Yeah, he's one of the good guys. I mean, he'd be cool to have as a mate, or whatever. Well, where? <laughs> I think there'd be a lot of a lot of name dropping somehow. Um, Even when he's talking to his inter interviewees, he name drops his other guests. Yeah, I was just yeah. having dinner with uh, Ben Shapiro the other the other <laughs> night. And, uh... Yeah, and you and me are gonna meet up for drinks after this, and uh... yeah, we're gonna head down and have some bourbons, and uh... <laughs> <laughs> we're just ripping the piss out of the guy. There's something amazing happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're meant to be together. <laughs> I love how we're on this guy's side. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yet we're gonna. He's not. He's not funny. <laughs> He's not intelligent. But we do like him. We do like I do like him. I haven't even described my beer. You didn't give your website address either. Ah, yes. Just just in case someone does ever listen to this. Um, beer there, drunk that, dot co dot uk. Accept no imitations. <laughs> Is that the tagline? You're going to quickly add that now. <laughs> Yeah, I, just, I sent you, or you'd already knew about that blo- that um, podcast that I found that's called exactly that, Beer There, Drunk That. Yeah, we won't mention the name. Uh, I don't want to give them any more publicity. <laughs> but Okay, I won't say what they're called. Just know that they're called exactly the same <laughs> as your website. Yeah, I, I, it's, I mean, I don't know. It's, um, it's, it's completely up to them, isn't it? You know, but they... It is a great name. What can I say? Did you come up? Who came up with it first? Have you ever figured it out? Who came first? Uh, why? Why do you put it like that? Have Have we had this conversation before? No. Because you said who? Oh, who came up with it first? As in, as in me or them? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh, what do you think I mean? Um, well, because 
you see, I think I came up with the name. Georgina thinks that she came up with the, with the name Beer There Drunk That. So you thought I was wading in you... on an argument that you and your girlfriend had? Yes. When we're talking about a podcast that is called the same as... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Clearly I'm talking about the podcast. Well, one of us came up with the name, possibly... Um, anyway they didn't come up with the name uh, before us for sure but because my my blog has been around longer than their podcast all right that was yeah that was what i was asking but i don't know i don't want to um i don't want to put them down or anything because we obviously have the same same passions in life maybe we can do a crossover episode one day no i don't think so (laughs) (laughs) they're on the blacklist but, uh, they, you know, they put effort into their cover. One of them's obviously artistic. And now I'm just promoting them, aren't I? So I'm going to shut up. We can think of a but, better beer uh, pun for your, uh, for your website. <laughs> trying to think of one now. What, for the title? Yeah. You're well, seriously going to... This is riveting. You're, you're going to sit there now <laughs> and think of try and think of a better name. <laughs> Something that um, would take hours in a, a marketing boardroom. Ah, oh, you know me in puns. I'm not too bad at them. Same as yourself. Although you needed your girlfriend to come up with your <laughs> blog title. Ouch. Ow. That's low. She did do the logo, if, you, if you've if you got it in front of you. Uh, no, but I remember, um, I remember the logo. And I remember you sending me, actually, the other options for the logo. Ah, oh, right. I don't remember doing that. I'm sorry to have pestered you so much about it. This is actually a, a it's not the final version. Oh, sorry to have pestered me. <laughs> yeah. I think you're just asking for my opinion. <laughs> How dare you? Oh, time is money, Adams. I don't know. If, I, <laughs> um, I mean, if, if you'd have done that to me, um, I, I would have been ex- extremely pissed off. Really? You didn't re- respect my time. Okay, you're much. being... I can never tell with you because of the whole um, when when we made friends the first time, it ten years ago, ten and a half years ago, oh, um, and a decade. For, little did I know at the time that I thought we made friends about three months before you thought we. <laughs> well, not three months. That's an Wait, exaggeration. You think we're but... friends. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, we're we're only just getting started. I mean. <laughs> takes me it takes me a long time to get close to people at least a century or 10 percent there i remember you obviously you only told me any of this stuff weeks later but that you were really annoyed that i told you about my dream uh one day on our way to the supermarket and that the first night when i thought you were just awesome at banter it turned out you were trying to bully me to increase your standing in the group because i was a leader <laughs> <laughs> You're really making me out to be a um, a nice person. <laughs> well, I mean, at the time, I was just loving it. I'm pretty sure I gave as good as I got with the, the England versus Wales bants. I didn't know there was any ill intent. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I was... There was genuine banter in, in there, for the record. Mingled in with the mm. hatred and... And racism, yeah. And disgust. <laughs> Uh, actually, um, since you mentioned that that time that you were telling me about your dreams, if I may interrupt, um, I I heard some. There was a line on a series 
recently that I, I watched. I don't know if it was Toast, but I don't know. Someone saying someone was telling someone about their dream, and and the other person was like, "Excuse me." Um, That's staying in. The other person was like, um, "There's no longer moment than when someone is telling them about their dreams." <laughs> Something along those lines, and um, I made a mental note to tell you about it straight away. I suppose I didn't. I must be quite weird then. And I quite I don't mind when people tell me. I, I find it more interesting than a lot of the day to day things people tell me. <laughs> I am fascinated by dreams, but not other people's dreams. Right, but not even people that you know, because it's like this is what their mind does when they're off guard. Yeah, there's no more real thing that they think than this. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I I get what you mean. It's kind of it's deep in their subconscious, and I know it's part it's part of themselves they're not in control of. I mean, there are boring dreams. Depends on the dream. They're like, oh, there was this guy with a knife chasing me, and I like ran away, and it's a bit boring. But like a, a, a good weird dream, I'm a bit of a fan of. It's always interesting when you've appeared in someone's dream as well. Ah, oh, true. Yeah. You always you always want to know. Like if someone says, oh, "I had a dream about last you last night," that's not something you just leave. <laughs> like, oh, really? What? What did I do? <laughs> Even though it wasn't you. Well, it, in one sense, it kind of was. Hmm. In the only way that you really exist to that person in the first place. Yeah, it's a funny thought that you've probably done some really weird shit in other people's dreams, and they've, <laughs> they've never yeah. even tell, uh, told you. Yeah, well, you must at least appear relatively regularly. Because, like, probably in people's dreams that you don't even know that well. Because my dreams are, like, fill in um, characters. Like, it can't, they can't, they tend to not be able to just have a character without a face. So at some point in the dream, that character will morph into some face that I know, like, sometimes off the TV or some person from my life. But I don't need to know them that well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I had a dream recently about some, one of the main characters. Oh, God. Okay, so... <laughs> now you're about to tell me about your dream I'm going to put this down as a win this in this argument I, I, I'm sorry to inflict this on you but I do you mind if I tell you about this dream I suppose not um, gee what was that what was that film we watched with that with that guy in who appeared in my dream <laughs> so you told G already do, do you remember the one we watched <laughs> about um, they're like undercover agents or something the good looking guy oh come on you know that one film with the good-looking guy about undercover agents? <laughs> that really unique film. Um, no, you downloaded it. You downloaded it, and um, it's like the neighbours. They're the neighbours across the road, oh. and they're, they're really perfect. Can, can you find out for me, please? <laughs> you, know, you know the Joe Rogan podcast? Yeah. He's got Jamie. It's like you're using Georgina as your... <laughs> she is actually... Look that, look that shit up, G. She, she, <laughs> she's actually <laughs> sitting opposite me uh, with these really big headphones on uh, on her on her mac sitting at her mac so it all looks very it's a, it's a very professional setup we have here oh mine isn't you're just in your pants <laughs> pants i wish <laughs> anyway i was um in my just naked sprawled out on the, the bathroom floor <laughs> the bathroom floor why not <laughs> sorry go on where your internet connection is the best Just spend all your time in the bathroom. Just with the mic in the toilet for acoustics. John Ham. John Ham, that's the one. So um That just came to me. Uh 
Oh, let me just ask G another question. Do you remember the, the influencer I told you was also in, in my dream? The blonde one? Yeah. What was her name? I don't know, but she's from a business called Motherhood. M U T H N U T H A Gemma. Her name is Gemma, is it? So anyway, in my in my dream, um I was in my grandparents' old house, which is actually next door to where they live now, in the in the living room. And it, it was kind of, it's a very open plan sort of house. It's um, got a big living room and big dining room. And it goes all the way back from the front of the house to the to the kitchen at the back and out the kitchen. You, you can see through the kitchen door and th- through the back door into the garden, which stretches back even further. So it's all very long. And um, I was standing in the living room at one end of the house and looked back towards the garden and I could see um, like the shadows of three people, three three silhouettes. And it filled me with that, you know, that feeling of dread you get in a nightmare. Yeah. Anyway, I went into um, the bedroom, which was is next to the living room because it's a bungalow. And in the bedroom, I saw well, my mum's ex-boyfriend and um, the tone of the dream changed. It kind of became more kind of lighthearted. And we walked back into the kitchen and sat down at the kitchen table and sitting at the kitchen table is me him john ham <laughs> and, <laughs> and this um blonde woman which like the day or two before i saw just flash up on georgina's instagram stories that she was watching <laughs> someone called Gemma, who works who has a business called motherhood and um Oh god! And- Just to clarify, this wasn't it. Something that actually happened in that <laughs> house. John Ham never popped around. <laughs> and um, so there was a bit of an awkward silence at the table. I said to John Ham, "I watched uh, watched a film of yours the other night, <laughs> which, which I had." And he was like, "Oh, oh yeah." And uh, I was like, "Yeah, it was uh, it was quite good actually." And he was like, "Oh okay, yeah." And. Um, then my my mum's ex boyfriend said, "You have an amazing body." <laughs> to John Han, and he was he was caught a bit off guard, and <laughs> and in my head, this is quite a complex thought process for for oh. for someone inside a dream. But I said. To try and get him out of that that awkward situation. I said, "That was a quote from the film, by the way." <laughs> and then, and then the four of us fell about laughing. <laughs> and I actually, I actually woke up. <laughs> I actually woke up pissing myself laughing. And um, and it woke Georgina up. <laughs> this was early on on a, on a weekday, and um, she woke Georgina up, and I couldn't stop laughing. She's kind of looking at me, wondering what on earth was going on. She thought I was crying, and then I couldn't compose myself, so I so I just walked into the bath. To the bathroom and just pissed myself laughing before going back to bed to explain the dream I'd just had. 
Oh, my belly hurts. <sighs> so, oh, man, that's amazing. Have you ever woken up pissing yourself laughing? Yeah, once. Uh, I, 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 but I don't remember why. Like, I couldn't remember the dream. Like, I could remember it just after I woke up, and it didn't make any sense, and it wasn't funny. <laughs> like, it, it wasn't like yours. That's That's still funny now when you talk about it. This was like dream logic where yeah. something had happened that that was absolutely side-splitting in the dream. But as soon as I woke up, it didn't make any sense. And I was just weirded out that I'd just woken myself up by, by laughing. And that, that, that was like last year. That's the only time that's ever happened to me. What is that? Is it like a malfunction or, or some kind of chemical <laughs> gets released by accident? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that, I, I know like... I. I I sometimes make noises, especially when I'm falling asleep and I start to dream, like early in the night, I'll sort of wake up going, oh, or something. <laughs> like, and then I'll not really remember why I'm doing it and I'll just fall back asleep. But um, and I know I talk in my sleep because people who've shared spaces with me have told me that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, talk, <laughs> it, just, it? it must just be that like having a real like belly laugh is actually quite a rare thing. Like, you laugh quite a lot, like, I say, at least once a day. But, like, really, fuck it. Like, that's the hardest I've laughed for a long time, that, that dream that you just told me. <laughs> I'm glad we got onto dreams, or I might I may <laughs> never have heard. I <laughs> never that's have how heard. you tell a dream, Dad. <laughs> if you'd gone about it that way, uh, way back in t- 10 years ago, then, then I could say we were friends now. <laughs> Do you remember what that dream was about that I told you? Because I don't. <laughs> Because I didn't think it was a big moment. It's funny how you telling me that dream has become such a big moment. Yeah, and I had no idea at the time. One of the defining moments of our friendship, in fact, is you telling me yeah. about a, a, a dream that you thought I was interested in. <laughs> that I was secretly thinking to myself, when is this guy going to just shut up talking about <laughs> I have no interest in this dream. And you don't remember what it was, the dream? I wasn't listening. <laughs> Fair I think enough. if you'd asked me the next day, I wouldn't have been able to say. I think I was just high on Erasmus having started so well because um, I wasn't looking forward to it at all. I was just terrified. I remember you saying, did, did you not try to get out of it or something? No, I don't think I ever like actually tried to get out of it because um, I had to do it for my degree and I'd already done two years at uni. I wasn't going to fuck right. it all up. <laughs> Jesus. I was coming to the end God. of Erasmus at this point, 2010. I guess July I left. This was this was even after our um, little trip around Spain. That was amazing. That was one of the highlights. That was a great trip. Yeah, it was um, quite exciting. It was diff- it was a different type of trip from what I've ever done before. And it was a real adventure, like from the beginning, because like it was a the trip for you and me was longer than it was for anyone else. Because you came to Santiago. Uh, stayed on, literally on my floor with no mattress or anything, which you were yeah, pretty pleased about. Thanks for that. For a couple of nights. <laughs> uh, then we I mean, took the way you, you the way you treat your guests is just uh, sickening, really. I don't know what I was thinking. I think, um, well, I wasn't thinking. I was very absent minded, even more absent minded than Sel- you were. Selfish. That's what you were. Just. I, th- I think I had a double bed, didn't I? I can't remember. I was thinking maybe we would just sleep in the same bed, but you were a bit too. Uh, uncomfortable in your own sexuality too too homophobic about it yeah so yeah we took a 15 hour overnight bus down to seville 
I've, I've got such clear memories of this, of like us trying to sleep on the coach and then being in Seville train station. Like this is one of my most vivid memories of that trip is like being in there in that shitty little cafeteria at like five in the morning mm. with like that, that like pale morning sunlight outside yeah. and just seeing Seville out that window for the first time. Do you remember the the bus station and arriving, and we were like knackered? I, I don't, yeah. I don't think I could do that now because I'm sure then we spent another full day doing stuff and then went out drinking that night. <laughs> but like, I don't think now I could go on a 15 hour bus journey and then still do a full day of sightseeing and a full night of drinking afterwards. I, I really, I'm really jealous of my young self that I could do something like that. It, it seemed like such an adventure in Spain as well because it's. Back then, we didn't have internet on our mobile phones. Yeah, no. Not having internet on your phone, like a, a connection to the internet, <laughs> um, <laughs> just makes you feel so much more isolated. You can't just quickly yeah. look things up. Well, it didn't because I did. Like, we didn't know any any different. But looking back, it's like if I was doing that now and my phone died, I would feel lost all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. But back then, I had so much less life experience, and I, I, I had, I just had, didn't have a fucking clue. But it didn't seem to phase me for some reason. Like getting to Santiago, I, I took it was another overnight coach from Nantes down to Madrid, and that was the only thing I had booked. And Madrid is not close to Santiago, <laughs> and that's how fucking disorganized I was at twenty-one, whatever I was. And uh, so I was just in Madrid train station with all my shit. And I just I just went up and was like, uh, bus to Santiago de Compostela. And they're like, yeah, next one's in like six hours. Oh, so I just bought the ticket, sat around trying to stay awake because all my stuff was on me and I hadn't slept because I'd been on a bus all night. And then got the bus. I had no idea how long it was going to take. And it took a lot longer than I expected. So by like 1 a.m. we were at A Coruña, which is like everyone else on the bus got off. And by that point... I hadn't slept for like two days, so I was genuinely hallucinating. I think that's like the first the first time in my life I ever hallucinated from being so tired. And then there was another like two hours then from Acoruña to Santiago, and I was the only one left on the bus, so I got off, the bus left, and I was I was literally the only person in the bus station. So it was just like me standing there, the bus left, and it was just like the sound of the escalator going, like, what the fuck do I do now? But I could, but like now I would just get my phone out and book a hotel and grab an Uber. But at the mm. time it was like, I had to go outside. There happened to be like a map of the city outside the bus station. So I just looked for a place where there were lots of H's and jumped into the taxi and was like, uh, Plaza de Galicia, whatever it's called. Lots of H's? Yeah, like H for hotel, the hotel symbol. Oh, I was thinking hospital. <laughs> oh yeah, it does mean hospital, doesn't it? Okay, but no, it was clear that it meant hotel, whatever it was on the map. <laughs> And there was there was a cluster there, so I just went there and walked and found the first open hotel and went in and said, "Like, have you got a room?" I fucking passed out on the bed. Yeah, there's something about that age, I, I suppose, because you know, a few years before that, doing that on your own would have seemed unthinkable. You'd never have thought you would end up in that situation. And there are yeah, there are no. there are people like because I think we're of a certain mentality. We like to we like to get about and travel, and you know, it doesn't really phase us to to travel alone even if, if you have to but there are some people who they prefer to stay in the same town they've you know they grew up in most people wouldn't you say uh well yeah or at least the same country and um you know there are people older than we are now who just wouldn't would find the whole thing absolutely terrifying even being in an airport 
in a different country alone and not having worked out their route to wherever they were going. Yeah, that's one thing I am I am grateful to Erasmus for. Because like now, especially with a smartphone, I just, I never stress really about any part of a journey. I never pre-plan it. Like, I, obviously I book the flight and the hotel, but apart from that, it's like, what do I need to plan? I've got the internet in my pocket. It's the it's the first world. It's Europe usually when I'm traveling. It's like, there's nothing scary about it. I mean, I don't know how how detailed you are on your plans before you go traveling, but... Well, when I moved to Lugo, I kind of just got a bus, uh, got a trek, uh, I flew to, I <laughs> uh, got a boat to um, <laughs> to the nearest airport, which is about 100 kilometers away, I think, and hadn't planned um, my onward journey, although that did actually make things difficult for me in the end. And when I, when I ended up in Lugo, I didn't even have directions on me to uh, the place I was supposed to be staying or the name of the hostel, or internet on my phone. But now we're in smartphone era now. This was, what, 2015? Yeah, as recently as 2015. I think the smartphone has changed a lot more than um, than we maybe realise while we're still living the the transition. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it, it just you don't have to think about anything, do you? You, you know you're going to have answers to your questions in your pocket. And Google Maps. Google Maps would have been so useful on Erasmus, but I'm kind of glad I didn't have it to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, I use it now, even sometimes when I'm going somewhere that I know, just to make sure I'm going the quickest way, because <laughs> it yeah, calculates I mean, everything. I don't like making things difficult for myself for the sake of it, but um, it does make you lazy if you're in a new place, I suppose. Or does it? If the aim is just to get from A to B, does it really matter? Yeah, and there's always that, um, people always have the same panic when something new comes out. I think like someone was saying about the the TV, and I can't remember who was making this point, but apparently the ancient Greeks thought the same about writing, that um, it it was sort of decadent. It made you lazy because you can't just remember all the points. <laughs> you have to, like, chisel it out, <laughs> or however they wrote. Yeah, there's been the same thing about reading newspapers and books, riding bicycles. It's just panic about things changing, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose, or not, not being able to... Losing the ability to do what you do things the way you did them before that thing existed yeah and i am already noticing um how non-tech savvy i am yeah and it's kind of scary because um the pace of change just keeps getting faster and i remember i thinking like that would never happen to me because i was sort of on the cusp like we were sort of one of those generations that was sort of raised with computers i don't think we had a computer in our house till i was about 10 but still, that's quite young. And uh, I remember trying to teach my granddad to use Microsoft Word. <laughs> and uh, like, I, it sounds like quite dickish now. I'm quite ashamed of myself. I was just like, try not to laugh. Because <laughs> he was so bad. And I couldn't get my head around how he could be quite so bad at understanding how it all worked. But obviously, he had zero experience with that kind of thing. Like, How could he possibly know how any of it worked? But yeah, that's where we're headed. I like it how we're old enough to know what it was like before social media was really a thing. And yeah, you know, I appreciate instant that. messaging. I mean, we we had a taste of it, sort of with you know text messaging and MSN Messenger and MySpace or Bebo or whatever. But uh, you know, we know what it's like to have grown up without the internet or you know being able to do half the stuff that you can do now and traveling without 
having that constant connection back to home. It obviously has its benefits being able to, like its practical benefits. But, you know, with traveling, I do think having a smartphone does actually take some of the romance out of the experience. You know, you're meant to be somewhere different, kind of getting the essence of the place you're in and not having a constant reminder of the place you just come from. Yeah. But I know that's a pretty, that's quite a romantic vision of the whole thing, which some people aren't, some some people don't really go for. (laughs) Yeah, it's true though. It's like now there's, um, everyone has their own, cyber world that they're constantly plugged into wherever they are in the real world like there's always this world that you're dipping in and out of wherever you are you can't really change your whole setting like you used to be able to talking like we uh, were 60 (laughs) (laughs) well god knows what it's going to be like when we are 60 that that digital world we're dipping in and out of christ dipping in and out of christ but we probably won't even need a device to do it on. It'll be inside our own head. I was recently quite disappointed to find that um, two people I know believe in astrology. Uh, <laughs> Come on, name and shame them. No, but it's one quite close friend of mine here. They're both girls and a friend of hers who I just met recently. And um, they're both very intelligent people. And with the one Clearly girl not. who's quite... Quite a close, quite a close friend of mine. We like have debates about politics and philosophy and stuff all the time. And um, to be honest, I thought she was taking the piss when she first brought it up, and then I realised she wasn't. And then she got the other one involved, and she's the one who told her about it. And she sort of set me up as the cynic. And I was like, I really don't want to have this conversation. Please, please don't make me talk about this. And so I was just sitting there, like, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I don't mind. Yeah, whatever. Because everyone thinks the cynic is an asshole. You know, it's just spoiling the fun. Mm. Yeah. So I just wanted to leave it. You're narrow-minded, Dev. They were, like, making me talk about it. And uh, one, like, the other girl was like, well, you know how, like, the moon... Like, you know, all these these heavenly... Like, they have gravity. They have, like, effect on the planet. And, you know, like, it's known, like, the moon affects your mood. And I, I was just like, mm, yeah, but that's not actually proven in any way. <laughs> like, sounds like what like, I was I mean, trying to say in my in my room that night. The moon, and I can't remember why. Why you screamed the moon? Yeah, I was trying to make a point, probably something similar to that. The the, the effect the moon has on the tides or whatever, and the body. Well, to bring this back to us, um, yeah. it sort of reminded me of that time you told me you believed in ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite. I, I didn't know if you were taking the piss. I was quite surprised. I wasn't taking the piss. At the time, no, but you don't know. I don't believe in ghosts. Uh, as far as I know. <laughs> um, no. I converted you, eh? Um, I would say, well, that was about the time that the whole new atheist movement began. The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. Well, that was that was earlier, but it was still... Already so I became aware of it. And... Um, it was the it was the first time I'd really questioned the things I'd taken for granted, belief wise. So, but yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's um, people are willing to, if not, I think some people are willing to believe something because they want to, and some people believe things because they haven't bothered questioning whether or not it was true. Yeah, I just don't, I just don't understand it because there's plenty of things I want to believe, but to me, belief isn't a, a choice. Like surely you have to actually believe something to believe it. <laughs> and like I actually I actually asked 
actually asked her this uh, yesterday. I think it was. I was like, so can I? I was like, I've been wondering something. You know that astrology thing. Uh, is it just a bit of fun, or like deep, deep, deep down, do you actually believe it? And um, she she basically said she does believe it, and we had a bit of a debate about it. But um, I can't really wrap my head around it. I mean, I can wrap my head around the idea. I can't wrap my head around the fact that intelligent people in 2020 still believe in it. I guess it just comes down to the fact that we're wired to want these easy explanations for things we don't really understand. Yeah, pattern-seeking. I console myself with the fact that that, that like pattern-seeking impulse is why actually why we've been so successful, but it leads to a lot of weird stuff as well. Like Because it often works like especially before we had science if i do xyz then xyz happens but people also took it like well if we sacrifice a lot of people then we have a better harvest so there's a pattern there yeah even if it's just completely fucking random and like did you see that thing (laughs) darren brown did where he had a load of people in a room and they were trying to get this score higher but like they didn't know that the score counter thing was just increasing the number at random yeah oh yeah yeah. random and they had all these objects in the room and so they ended up doing the weirdest shit because they're watching the score counter and being like oh when i do this it makes the score go up faster so they were like like oh if i hop from here to here or if i chuck this red ball blah blah blah. and they would they found all these patterns in what they were doing that it was just because they did it and the the score counter happened to go up when they did it yeah, but it's it was just really funny to see that all unravel in real time like how the how the mechanism works yeah, he's he's great at doing that, kind of exposing the way gullible people think. And even even when he, he tells them, he was behaving like a medium once, you know, doing doing the whole, is there anyone in the room who knows a so-and-so? They have a message for you. And um, at the end of it, he confessed to the audience that he doesn't really think that he was talking to dead people, but they still <laughs> refused to believe that he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was a south park episode a lot like that uh, exactly like that actually it was about that tv medium in america um john edward i think his name was and um was i don't think he's famous anymore i think he's still alive but still his name though isn't it <laughs> well maybe and i think stan or one of the kids uh looks into cold reading and he starts doing it just to like, get really annoyed at people believing it and he starts doing it just to show people how, what bullshit it is and he's like, no, it's bullshit, it's blah, blah, and he starts doing it. But instead of being, like, convinced, they're all like, oh, my God, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to Dennis? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's a really good episode. At the end, some aliens come down and give John Edward the biggest douche in the universe award. And I take it. <laughs> it doesn't sound funny when I explain it, but when you watch the episode, it's hilarious. Have you ever listened to My Dad Wrote a Porno? Uh, no, I've heard about it. it. Oh, it's bloody hilarious. It really is. Please, listen. Oh, may- uh, maybe we could write uh, an erotic novel. <laughs> From what I've read about writers, like people actually make a living through writing, mm. a lot of them have to do that under pseudonyms to stay afloat. Like, that's what makes them money. Really? Self-publishing shitty erotic novels. While they then, it gives them the chance to then concentrate on their passion projects, what they actually want to write. Bloody hell. Because they must just be a massive market for, like, just women wanking off to 
<laughs> and the thing is about that kind of thing, I can see why the market is big because I guess once you've like wanked off to a book mm. three times, it's like you kind of need something new, I suppose. Is that what they do then? Do they actually wank off to these books? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't asked. <laughs> is that what you do, Dan? <laughs> I don't know how uh, it works with women and erotic books. Like, I don't know how like, what, how many women wanked off to Fifty Shades of Grey. Maybe, maybe it, I, don't, I don't know if it's a physical thing. It's more probably more just a, an emotional thing, isn't it? I reckon, I don't think they have to actually have the book there and be like reading and strumming at the same time. <laughs> but like, <laughs> they must use it when they're... Flicking the pages and flicking the beat. <laughs> or flicking the... Pe- <laughs> <laughs> flicking both pages and bean but not necessarily at the same time if you know what i mean it cre- it creates this this uh <laughs> thing in their head this book is dedicated to you dear reader <laughs> flicking page and bean <laughs> We have an intro page. Uh. <laughs> well, I do remember when when the Fifty Shades of Grey books were out, all the women in my life just disappeared for like two weeks. <laughs> I don't know what, like the country went mad. You know, it's like, isn't that like the best selling book of all time or something? Which is depressing in one sense. That was self-published. Can we can we be the next Fifty Shades of Grey? Like, I quite like writing when it's an idea I've had and I'm passionate about. But like, if I was writing an erotic novel, I think I'd just be too embarrassed to. And it's not like a passion of mine. I, it's not something I can just. It's not something that's on tap. I can't just sit down and think of it. Do you know what I mean? For a start, I've never read an erotic novel. Like, that's probably something we would have to do as as like homework. So hang on, are we Get talking it. about writing an erotic novel together? <laughs> Figuratively, this is <laughs> this is where we've ended up. An erotic novel together, James. This is where we <laughs> where the conversations ended up. Well, why not? (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine that? The next Nord reunion, if if it was a success and we became rich from it. What have you guys been up to? Actually, Chatham's and I wrote an erotic novel together. <clears throat> what is that noise? Oh, it's the street cleaners. Oh. Or a police drone, who knows? The street cleaners, that could be the title. I had two really, really early mornings in a row the last two days, and then today slept till 11 because I was knackered. I just really wish I could keep up with getting up early. Well, that's a line for you, is it? 11, yeah. What what time do you get up? I mean, when I get up for work, I now I get up at ten. 
tomorrow I'll probably get up at about half twelve. <laughs> really? Well, if we go to bed at like half past four, that's what we've been. What? That's what we've been doing during the quarantine. Oh, during quarantine, so that's not normal then. No, well, no. Normally, we we developed a healthy habit of going to bed at one thirty, but before that, we were going to bed at like two or three a.m. When we're night owls, I suppose you're a night owl too, aren't you? I am, yeah, but I, I'm a night owl who, I'm like a self-hating night owl. Mm. I don't like sleeping through the morning. Like, I really, I really struggled to get up in the morning, but I really like the feeling of having gotten up in the morning. I know what you mean, but that's just the pressure that society has put on you. <laughs> you postmodernist prick. I, I actually think that that is a conversation to be had. But weren't prehistoric people getting up basically when the sun came up? Yeah, but they were also having. Uh, that, I mean, their sleeping pattern. This this Matt, what's his name? Matt Matt Walker, is it? Um, the, I don't know who that is. The sleep guy. Oh yeah, the Scouser. Yeah, he um he was saying how the, the natural thing to do is to have two sleeps a day, isn't it? Like you get up with the with the sun, but you also go to sleep. In the middle of the day, I mean, the the way the way people do it is just not the natural way, anyway. Mm, I don't know. There's just, I mean, there's something about being up, knowing that there's a whole day ahead that's just full of promise. Yeah, I I do know what you mean. I I always feel kind of proud of myself when I wake up and it's still the morning. Like when you two visited here, um, like I couldn't get that because like. Even though I live here, I was so excited to um, to see us, be, to show you, around, well, to see you, and to like show you around and like be the host and like give um, just the give host. you as much, give you like as much Prague as possible in the time. Yeah, and like um, I guess I always assume also that like uh, when people are visiting, I guess they would be pissed off if I slept like twelve, <laughs> like no, you're right, like half past twelve. Really. I mean, what, what, but what for me, like, time did you expect us to, to see us? <laughs> half past eight. Well, what, well, no, but what, not half past eight. But when I visit a place, like to me, there's no. I love traveling anyway, and to me, there's like no better feeling than like leaving the hotel in a city I've never been to on a nice day, and it's still like nine o'clock. I feel like oh, nine amazing. o'clock. Obviously, that doesn't always happen. Like when I was in Italy, I've never it done, depended. We've never done that in our lives. Really? I mean. Nine o'clock. We we don't get up at nine o'clock anywhere. Get up at nine o'clock. I'm talking about leaving the hotel. Leaving the hotel at nine o'clock. <laughs> You're joking. And no, okay. So I only, went to only Italy. if the, if we've got breakfast included in the hotel. Yes, we'll make a special effort to get up at nine o'clock. But then we'll go back to the room and. But don't you? You paid for the trip though. Don't you think about that? Yeah, but oh, the thing is, I would just be groggy. <laughs> exactly. You're on a holiday, man. Chill the fuck out. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind. <laughs> like, I don't mind other people, but for me, it's like I guess I, I'm surprised you're not the same as me in in this regard because you always had that same kind of um, desperation about time passing. Yes, and I, I I like making the most of the day, and I do actually feel genuine anxiety if I feel like I've I've wasted too much of the day. Um, like at the weekend, I get it. If it's a sunny day, I get it. 
and yeah i don't like it when i'm when i'm away and i haven't made the most of a place like this the stuff we could be doing now instead of instead of having a line but at the same time i can't help myself having late nights and you can't have late nights and early mornings no well this is the thing for me like i um like um oh yeah georgina said like um like chill out and i do i do notice about myself as well that it's something that does tend to impinge upon my ability to enjoy a trip is how desperate I am to really make the most of the place. So yeah. like um, that panic is sort of the same as like how you and I always take too many photos. And when I'm wandering around a place that'll also, it'll be sort of the same effect. Like I can't not stop and take pictures because I'm like, I have to capture this while I'm here. I know and I just mean. take too many, I have to take too many pictures. So like in, in Italy, when I went recently, I didn't get up early every day. Like I went out for drinks uh, one night. I think then I got up like, like got out of bed like 10 or 11 the day after that. But there was one morning I got up at like six because what I, um, yeah, just because I, I, like I realized I only had a set amount of days and there was a certain amount of things I wanted to do. And I realized if I got up at six, I could go to two of the towns I wanted to visit in the same day. So yeah, I did that. Well, I mean, I got up. If there are set things you want to do and you have a limited amount of time and by planning it in that way you can do it all, then fair enough, I suppose. But as a general rule, like, I just can't do it. We are useless at getting up and leaving. We're even really bad at getting up for the breakfast buffet if we if we paid for it. It's a real effort. We're, we're always there, like, because breakfast buffets are always stupidly early. They're always, like, from 7 till 10 or something. And we always... <laughs> wander in at like 10 to 10 when they're packing up and then go well, it's good back that, to the room. It's good that you're both uh, on the same page anyway. That's the... <laughs> that's I suppose. I might remember when we went to Copenhagen, we did end up being on the same page, but um, we, she was worried. We never went to Copenhagen. <laughs> Copenhagen. I can cope I can cope in Haven because I would be with the cord. <laughs> yeah, she was worried beforehand. That um, that I would be like a bit militaristic about getting stuff done and getting up and going to do stuff and everything, but then she was she actually surprised herself when we were there in that she felt the same and completely agreed. So I guess we were quite well suited travel wise as well. Mm. Oh, but she was better at getting up than me, definitely. I'm just uh, like I said, a self self hating night owl. Night owl. It doesn't it, like my natural state is to stay up really late and get up late, but it doesn't make me feel good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I do. It's uh, it's horrible. I can't. I can't get up early. I find it really difficult. But I feel good uh, about myself when I get up early. But then I feel kind of shit generally because I'm so tired because I got up early. Uh, the tiredness for me tends to only last uh, for the first sort of half an hour of having gotten up early, uh, and then I sort of just feel like I do any other day. Um, but the getting up, the initial getting up is tough. And especially I, I get up sometimes at like four because I need the toilet. And sometimes like I haven't even opened my eyes by the time I get to the to the toilet. And it's like, fuck me, I cannot open my eyes. This is horrible. Like it is a genuine pain <laughs> <laughs> and suffering in getting up early. Well, I think we should call it a day. Yeah, agreed. I should go to bed. 
What would you do if you just woke up tomorrow and I'd, and I'd posted this entire thing? <laughs> Silences and all. I'd jump off my balcony. <laughs> well, prepare yourself for that eventuality. You're going to include that as well? All of this until... I'm just going to leave it on record all night. <laughs> You're going to leave it on all night and hear me jump off the balcony... <laughs> Even though you didn't end up posting the video because it was still recording. <laughs> Did you hear that splat, folks? It's <laughs> 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 a nice little crunch right at the end. I'm so obsessed with the podcasting that would drive my friend to suicide and commentate on his splat just for listens. (laughs) (laughs) On that cheery note, let's both go off and have some wonderful dreams about John Hamm. You know those moments in, it happens a lot in, in American cartoons, I suppose, like where someone tells a really shit joke and then everyone falls about laughing like for yeah. for uh, for too long like they're laughing for too long like no one can be laughing about it for that long because it wasn't funny but they all just carry on laughing longer than you expect them to laugh and that becomes the joke <laughs> yeah so do you think that's what you were laughing at when you woke up how shit the joke was and how everyone was laughing <laughs> or were you still were you still laughing at fuck the actual no, joke fuck knows <laughs> and did you mean it as a joke when you said it in the dream or were you genuinely just trying to break the awkwardness (laughs) (laughs) could there have been an intention behind it in my dream Uh, well there probably was originally because I guess in a dream you think it's real when it first happens so there was an intention I had an intention in my dream was that a real intention, my brain? <laughs> Did my brain intend for me to mean it that way as if it was me speaking or... or? Yeah, it must. Because in the, you you were there. Because I've had dreams where I'm not even there. I'm not one of the characters. But you were one of the people at the table. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. I love how he's in your nan's house for no apparent reason. That's never addressed. It's a dream logic. It's a dream logic. And it's like, well, we're all sitting yeah. around the table, so I have to make polite conversation. Oh, I saw you in the film the other night. Oh, yeah? Oh, cool. <laughs> He's not questioning, why am I here? <laughs> it's just completely nonplussed. <laughs> and then he comes out with, you've got a green body. <laughs> <laughs> I love dream logic. Right, let's not get sidetracked again and actually go to bed. I'm not going to bed, but yeah, you you can if you want. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thinking about something shortly before you go to sleep is actually apparently quite a good way for your brain to come up with stuff. So just let the brain do the work. 
you need to look into like lucid dreaming so that you can make yourself have a part two to that. There must be a way. I want to know how that ends. <laughs> make myself have a number two to that. Next time I wake up shitting myself. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny for the podcast, but not as funny for me. You shit yourself, James. That's a <laughs> quote from the film, by the way. <laughs> and nobody laughs. <laughs> John Ham just like scrunches his nose up and looks awkward. What the fuck am I doing here again? <laughs> it stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Star. You go to bed, I'm going to put the kettle on. <laughs>